Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. All right, so we are continuing our series in Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we're going to talk about that. I'm excited to talk about it and continue it. Uh, Luke is just a super awesome story of one man's really journey of faith, because Luke, Luke's Gospel is different than the other three, right? There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, but Luke is different because he wasn't a disciple. He was a doctor and, and a brilliant man who decided to investigate these stories about this resurrected Jesus and that process brought him to resurrection because he became a follower of faith in that process and, and, and this is all his investigation. It's super cool. But before that, have you, uh, have you ever forgot stuff like really had a major forgetful things? I'm, I'm that way. Like you can ask my wife. I'm very big picture. And I'm very not detailed. So anybody who's worked alongside me figures that out real quick. Like, oh, he's not, he's not going to remember. There's leaders in our church are like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't mean to bother you, but I'm just reminding you, and I tell them every time, it never bothers me when you remind me. It does bother me when you don't. You told me once seven months ago, and then, and then never tell me again, and you're like, how could he forget? That's how I forgot. <laughs> I'll never remember. So uh, I found a few funny things of people forgetting. Uh, I was looking up. Uh, our grandpa hung his skis on a small tree when he was younger. He'd forgot he'd left them, and then he found them years later. <laughs> yep, that, it's been a while. Th- this couple decided to take a jumping pick but forgot to reposition the camera, so it looks like they hung themselves. <laughs> yep, that didn't work out. That's, a, that's not a good pick. <laughs> We're engaged. No. <laughs> this, this family just forgot to take the chocolate Easter bunny out of the car. <laughs> that's a tough, at least it's in the box. That's good. See, that's, hap, that's happened to me, but it's never in the box. Uh, this, this, I thought this one was pretty good. The sleeping bag manufacturer forgot to fill in the French translation. <laughs> I assume that's how French works anyway, right? <laughs> uh, this person forgot that MRIs are giant magnets. <laughs> yeah, somebody's fired. <laughs> um, you guys ever forgot to put back the ice tray? Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough And this, this one was my favorite. These guys forgot something in their ad. <laughs> you just call us. We're lonely. <laughs> but, but what I want to tell you today, what I really want to dive into, and it's the main theme of today is that God doesn't forget. He never forgets. Uh, it's not an elephant. Elephants forget things. God actually doesn't forget Luke is investigating the life of Jesus. One of the 
things that makes the Bible so valid historically. And the tr- if you do your own historical research, you're gonna find out there's more truth to the word of God being true than any historical document in history. It's incredibly true. And Luke, there's over 500 witnesses to the resurrected Jesus. Luke interviews a lot of them. He doesn't buy it. Or maybe he does, but he goes in with an open heart and says, I want to know what happened here. And he finds, and they have the same story. And then he writes down that story. Well, today we're going to go a little further, chapter 1, and he, goes, he shares a story that nobody else shares, and that's the story of John the Baptist's birth. If you look in the other Gospels, you're not going to see this story like you see it here. It's more explained. Why? Because he's investigating. He's not saying, this is what I saw. He's saying, I checked the backstory of this guy, and check this out. Right, if you're looking to find something out, you're going to go back to the original, and then you're going to go back even further, right? Those who would say the America was founded on this or America was founded on that, you know what the best way to figure that out is? Find out for yourself. You go back and do the research. How did it come about? You find out. If you're like, I wonder if the Bible's real, check it out for yourself. Stop buying what Richard Dawkins is selling. Here's what's interesting. He doesn't even fully believe what he's selling. (laughs) Go back and find out for yourself. That's what Luke does. And in this case, he finds out there's a story right before Jesus. But it's still about the Jesus story. And it actually lines up. It's about his cousin, a guy named John the Baptist. And his birth is just as miraculous. So if you have your Bibles, go there. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. When Herod was king of Judah, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot or by vote to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. Quick side note, next week's annual business meeting is immediately following. We're going to have a shortened service, 10 to 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, our business meeting will start. We have to vote on our elders, whether we confirm Michael Jensen to stay as an elder for another three-year term He's filled in for the last year to to fill out uh, an elder's term that left. And then we're nominating two others, John Greenan and Brent Newman. Okay? So of those three names, you'll choose just like they did. You'll cast by lots. Will this person stay? That doesn't mean that person can't be nominated when somebody else's term is up. Of course they can. Okay? They're all godly men. They're all capable of serving this role. We'll talk about more of that last week. But casting lots, actually voting, is a biblical thing. They did it again in the, in the book of Acts. Kind of a, just cool side note. All right, one day Zechariah was serving God. Okay, verse 10, while the incense was being burned, I'm sorry, verse 9, as was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. When the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. 
while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah is doing his priestly duty, but here's something you need to know. So there were 24 orders of priests. That took turns in the temple, and lots were cast to determine which priests would serve. There were a large number of priests, so this privilege might only come once in a priest's lifetime. There's 24 orders of priests, and in those orders, there's more. Zechariah may have never been in the temple his entire life. He served as a priest over and over and over. But the Old Testament tabernacle was divided into an outer court, an inner court, a holy place, and the holy of holies. So he goes into that holy place. This is maybe the first time he's ever been there in his life. And an angel of the Lord shows up. He's never had a kid. He's, this is, you realize God has been silent for 400 years. He's not spoken. See, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, we haven't heard God in a long time. There's no prophets anymore. And one day when he's just serving God, just staying faithful, listening to him and going after him. But he's doing the normal thing. But this time, this time, when they cast lots, who's going in to serve in the temple? Zechariah's name comes up. Now that probably to him is enough to say, God sees me. I get to go into that place and worship him. I get to, my name got called, and I get to go in and honor him and, and, and hear him and, and serve, serve, in his, serve in his presence. But it becomes way more than that. Can you imagine walking in, and there's another dude there? <laughs> like, nobody goes in here. you got to realize they only go in here once a year. And he's maybe never been there in his entire life. And that day, God taps him and says, hey, you. And then when he goes in, an angel of the Lord shows up. Zechariah is just going through life serving God. And then one day, God shows up. Zechariah may or may not have thought, God has forgotten me. I don't have any kids. I've served, but I've never been in the temple. My name's never been called. Here's what's cool. Do you know what Zechariah's name means in Hebrew? It means Yah remembers. Yah is another term for God. God remembers Zechariah when Zechariah probably forgot about God's promises. God remembered Zechariah when everybody had probably forgotten him. How many of you think God has forgotten you in your struggle, 
in your ability to not have a kid. In your inability to find that right job, God's forgotten me. He's passed me over. He's not seeing me. Where is he? But God never forgets. Matter of fact, the Bible says the only thing he actually forgets, if you ever think that God has forgotten you, remind yourself God doesn't forget anything except your sin. It's the only thing God forgets. Psalm 103, 12, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed his transgressions from us. God wants to remove and forget your sin. But God will forget nothing else about you. All the things you think, God hasn't done this for me. God hasn't shown himself up here. God isn't moving in this thing. You're wrong. You're just not correct. Some of you know. Some of you, you're in a time of promise. You're like, God is good. He's faithful. He does all this stuff for me. Right? Trevor's here. I'm getting married. Trevor on that day is like, God sees me. Right? Sorry to call you out, man. (laughs) But I bet you there were other days he was like, God, where are you in this? God, do you see me? We've all been there. And if you haven't, congratulations, you'll get there. (laughs) It's coming. You're going to have a day you're like, God forgot me. But God never forgets his people. Never. We sing that song, right, Waymaker? Even when I don't see it, you are working. Luke investigated, and he shared part of the story nobody, nobody saw. It was like, hey, see, he shared the, 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 the macro story. All the other gospels share the macro story. Jesus came to save us. God hasn't forgotten us. True. Luke is sharing the micro story. God doesn't just forget us. He doesn't forget you. He knows your name. Matter of fact, he he calls you by name. He designed your name. Zechariah, God remembers. God doesn't forget his people. And when you think that God has forgotten you, man, remember that God doesn't do that. God doesn't forget. The only thing God forgets is my sin. Everything else about me, he remembers. He keeps in his heart. It's always there. He's not like us. He's a good father. He's perfect. I forget that. See, because I gauge God as a father based on me as a dad sometimes, or based on my dad. I have five kids. I have about a 10% chance of getting their name right any given day. I kid you not. Every Hey, call Nate, Drew, just come here. You know I know your name. I named you. I will get it right eventually. It happens. I don't know why, but from one kid to two, it's just like my brain shut off. Like you can't get them right anymore. You're going to get them wrong. You're going to say the wrong name. Shine. I, I mean Andrew. Right? It just happens. Actually, it doesn't happen as much with the, like, the boys to the girls, which is nice. Probably more for them than me. You know. But it just happens. I mean, I'll be looking at Shine, having a conversation. That's great, Glory. 
They don't, they're like this far apart. <laughs> it just happens. It's humanity. It's brokenness. We're people. But it doesn't ever happen with the Lord. He never mixes up our names. He never mixes up our call. He never forgets who we are and what we're meant to do and what he wants to do for us. There's literally somebody like Zachariah and Elizabeth right now. Like, God, you've forgotten me. I can't have a child. And the Lord would say, I never forget. I never forget. I'm not saying I know what the answer is, but I know he never forgets. Not only that, keep reading. God always fulfills. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. And the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you're to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he'll be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. You should know that's the first time that ever happens in Scripture. Many have the Holy Spirit. He's the first to have the Holy Spirit even before he's born. Matter of fact, that didn't even happen to Jesus. The Holy Spirit comes on Jesus later as he's baptized. Luke investigates this story and says there's something crazy special about this man. He's not Jesus. He's not our Savior. But he's the one that gets to go before the Savior. If you're the one who goes right in front of Jesus, you're kind of a big deal. All right, keep going. And he'll turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He'll prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He'll turn the hearts of the father to the children. And he'll cause those who are rebellious to accept wisdom of the godly. John the Baptist wouldn't be like Zechariah. He wouldn't be a priest in the temple. He'd be a priest in the streets. And he would see many come to faith. You see, for whatever reason, did Jesus need somebody to go before him? I thought, like, you're Jesus. Can't you handle this? But he knows what he's doing. Right? The truth is, if the president comes to town... Secret Service and others are showing up before him to make sure everything's ready for him. God fulfills his promises. And he does that to Zechariah in this moment saying, I am going to use you, I'm going to use your son to make the way for the Savior of the world. Everything's going to be different now. God moves something in him. See, some of you, you would say God doesn't. He hasn't fulfilled this promise to me. We need to remember that God being a God who fulfills his promises is not based solely on the condition of what he has or has not done for us. God fulfills his promises whether he has to me or not yet. God is a God who keeps his word That's who he is. Do you believe that? Do you believe God no matter what happens to me, you're a God of your word. Your purposes will be fulfilled no matter what. 
And here's, here's the other thing, that God's purposes are better than your dreams. See, Zechariah's dreams would probably have several sons and daughters. Maybe some of them, if not all of them, would become priests and serve in the temple. And he would be considered blessed in his town as his wife would. God's plans were like, ah, I can do better than that. I'm going to wait a while. You're not going to have a kid for a bit. And then when you do, he's going to be the one that prepares the way for Jesus. And I'm going to count your faithfulness towards you. And I'm going to do move mountains that you could not even possibly fathom. Unbelievable amount of favor and blessing. But it's going to look like God didn't show up for a while. It's going to look like God doesn't know what he's doing. Here's a cool thing, though. He was a priest in the order of Abijah. There are different priestly orders and different leaders of those priests. The order of Abijah was the eighth in the order of priests. That day, when Zechariah's name gets called, he just happens to be serving in his order in the eighth. Eighth in the Bible is the number of new beginnings. See, seven is the number of completion, right? It's God number. But eighth is the number of new beginnings because that's, right, there's 40 days. That's why it's a multiple of eight. 40 days is a number of breakthrough and completion in the Bible, of a time of fasting. Eighth, you circumcised your son on the eighth day. Eighth is a number of new beginnings. For Zechariah, he was thrilled that his name was called, but God had ordained it before time began. The numbers line up. God sees it when you don't see it. God fulfills his promises. God is a God who fulfills. He knows what he's doing even when we don't. When you think none of it's lining up, realize you don't number the stars. It's not an accident that he's in the eighth clan. It's on purpose, designed by God, because the number of completion was about to happen for Zechariah and Elizabeth. Number of new beginnings. That day, as he comes in, an angel of the Lord says, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are about to have a brand new beginning, and you're gonna have a son, and he'll do way more than be a priest in the temple. Way more. He will baptize the Son of God. He will draw so many men, hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the children back to the Father. God is going to do so much. He's going to do so much. We always have reason to believe that God is good. Sometimes, though, in our work, see, he's serving God in the temple. What happens is, it's not, he knew God was God. He believed, right? He's not serving in the temple because he's an atheist. But sometimes, even in the service of the Lord and faithful service, we still forget. 
And over enough time, that forget becomes fear. Verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. I won't get too graphic, but, but every guy past 40 in that, you, you kind of know what that verse means. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I ain't 20. <laughs> you get it. All right, moving on. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. There's only two angels mentioned in the Bible, Michael and Gabriel. The rest don't have names <laughs> that we know. Gabriel shows up to you, you usually stop and listen. <laughs> and I love his response, I am Gabriel. I love that. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I am a big deal, Zechariah. Angels don't show up to people every day. And if they do, get help. All right, so I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. You're going to see what's going to happen. He becomes mute after this until John's born. But I have a feeling he became mute right then. Because when the wonder and awe of who God really is is before you, you, there's just not a lot you can say. There's not a lot to say. Because you're in awe. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said... You'll be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. What happens when we're serving God faithfully, but we don't see him fulfilling his promises, we become forgetful of what he can do, and then eventually we become fearful that he will never do it. There's two forms of for lack of a better way to say it, currency in the spiritual realm. And it's faith and fear. Start on fear. Fear is the counterfeit currency of faith because faith is God's currency with us. He honors our level of faith. He does. Don't get me wrong. I don't mean that if you have big bank account faith, that somehow, you know, God says, I like you more. No, 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 no. But those who say God can do big things for the sake of God doing big things, not for the sake of my monetary blessing, God honors that. He loves that. He works with that. Well, the enemy does the opposite. He works with fear. It's his counter to faith. And the more he can make you afraid, the more he can make you filled with fear, the more he can make you angry, upset, bitter, judgmental, the more he can hold you back from all that God has for you. Man, I remember launching Thrive and being terrified. And God was providing there were some people who were going to come, which was great. It's way better than, like, just your kids, you know. They're enough, but, you know, they don't tithe. So, 
I'm kidding, I'm kidding, they do. Um, but you're like, God, what are you going to do? And, and, and God was bringing in money, and he was bringing in equipment, and he was bringing in people. God was moving. But it wasn't to the level I would have liked to have seen, and I was like, God, where are you? And I remember somebody saying to me, and, and it was great wisdom, it was a heavenly rebuke, saying, Brian, because God is doing enough, but for you, it's, if he gave you a million dollars and a thousand people, it won't be enough, because what's broken isn't What's happening, what's broken is inside of you. The enemy had worked and manipulated enough fear in my life that this step of faith felt like too much. I had forgotten that God is a God who he says he is. He fulfills his promises and he hasn't forgotten me. He is faithful. He doesn't leave anybody behind. He does what he says he's gonna do. Too many of us are trying to find answers instead of finding the one who holds the answers. If you got more of Jesus and a promise never fulfilled, did you not get the promise? The promise is not that everything will go your way. The promise is you will have him and he will be more than enough. He is everything. See, if I have a mega church and I'm on magazines and billboards and my own serious XM radio station. <laughs> but I don't have his presence in my life. What do I have? I have nothing. That's not a promise fulfilled. That's empty. I want him and him alone. Fear makes us need those things and have to have those things in order to be enough. Faith says, if I have you, I've got everything and I put all of my trust and all of my hope in you and you alone. I trust you. I trust your character. I trust your word. That's faith. Faith isn't blind. It's trusting God's word more than my own eyes. Faith is the currency of God that says your word and who you are is bigger, better, and eternal, and it doesn't matter what I see or feel or think. You are who you say you are despite what's happening. You are who you say you are in in contradiction to what is happening. And if what is happening in my life is in contradiction to your word, you're the truth teller. This is a lie, and you'll make it right in due time. I don't believe my circumstances if they lie to me about God. We need to tell ourselves that. This is good. Well done, Pastor Brian. Thank you so much. It's great. And lastly, lastly, that God gets the final word. On all things. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary. Why were they praying outside that day? Did you notice that? It said they were praying outside. It doesn't say that other times, right? But they were that day. Man, when God is moving, people, the people of God know something's up. We lean into prayer when God wants to move. If you don't want to pray, you don't want to move of God. 
All right. Wondering why it was taking so long. Even there, the pastor's taking way too long. Verse 22, when he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and silence, he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. When Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind is the Lord. He's taken away my disgrace of having no children. Elizabeth is elevated. Zechariah is silenced. Now, some people, they don't like that because they're like, well, that's sexist. You know, why is she disgraced because she hasn't had a child? That, that's unbelievable. Though they were so stupid back then. <laughs> Such an elitist view of history. I would encourage you, don't go there. Let history speak for itself and let us understand the information, not give it our interpretation. In that culture, in that day, in that time, they didn't have medical doctors. They didn't have nuclear war, uh, nuclear war. They didn't have radar. They didn't have internet or smartphones. And so a woman's value in much of the culture was what she could bring to the world. And part of that was children. For example, if, and if a man couldn't teach or understand words on a page, he wouldn't be very valuable either. It was a different time. We don't bring our presuppositions to the text. That's wrong, and it's wildly arrogant. Versus letting the text speak for itself. This is a woman who after so many years, and the truth is it's not so untrue today. Am I right? If a woman is well into her 50s and has never had children, don't tell me there's no grief in her heart. There is. Doesn't mean God sees her as less. It doesn't mean that. But we know the part of God's design is fruitful and multiply. We know part of that's having children. It's not bound up solely in that. We also know that too. There are amazing men and women of God in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s who've never had their own children but have had many spiritual children and they're awesome. They're phenomenal and we praise God for them. John the Baptist didn't have his own children as, as far as we know, right? Jesus didn't, but... We're all here, so I think he did. <laughs> That's pretty good company. But she didn't. She, she, was, she was not part of society like she wanted to be. And then God said, I haven't forgotten, and I get the final word. Your body doesn't get the final word. Your education doesn't get the final word. Your past doesn't get the final word. What you're going through now is not the final word of what God says about your life. I'm going to have the worship team come. In the worst moment of our life, 11 years ago, I got that word from my pastor, who I loved very much. When Seth passed away, three months old, Months up to that, God had led my wife read through the book of Job, and she didn't know why. 
I've been reading and watching videos about the gospel of understanding suffering and struggle. And then this happened. Why? It feels like God knew this would happen. Why? I've got a lot of answers on maybe whys of a lot of things, but the truth is you and I don't understand the complexities of eternality when it comes to mortality. And when you try to, you're asking, you're asking to put the ocean in this cup. You and I are finite and we cannot understand the mind of God and eternity before and past. But what I did learn in that moment, what I had heard, sitting with our pastor, trying to plan the funeral for my son, cried out to him, why, why, what's the point of Job? This doesn't make sense. Why, why did God lead us to read this and watch that? And my pastor said something that changed our lives, maybe partially saved our lives in that moment. He said, the point of Job isn't what the devil gets to do and what happens to us and what God allows. The point of Job is God always gets the final word. What's happening in your country right now, God gets the final word on this, on America. God gets the final word on every president before and that will ever be. God gets the final word on what happens in Ukraine and Poland and Russia and China and all the rest of humanity. But the better news for you is God gets the final word on you if you say yes to him. When you say, I trust you with all of it. Some of you, you're trying to figure out the answers like, well, if I eat this way and then I do this and then I go that direction and then I start doing this and that's fine. Do everything you can do. That's what Zechariah did. He got in the temple and served. He got in the priestly order and he served with his life. But he couldn't make his wife pregnant. He couldn't pick his name out of the lots in order to go into the holy place. He couldn't do any of that. But God can. You stay faithful, but realize God is way more faithful than you. You give God your best, but realize he keeps his word. Imagine that level of trust. I need somebody smaller. Andrew Pangrass, can I pick on you for a minute? Come here, buddy. Once you stand right here. Okay, faith away. Close your eyes. Now, if I don't do it yet, but if I tell you fall back, do you believe I'll catch you? Okay, go ahead and fall back, Andrew. Right, I got you. Thank you, bud. Do you know why? Why did you? Why did you think I would catch you? Because you right there. I trust you. Because I said I would. Thank you, Andrew. And I'm nobody. Now, if I asked Howie to do the same thing, he'd probably be like, nah. <laughs> and that's fair. I'm not tall. Howie's a big guy. But God is eternal. And there's nobody bigger. And you can take him at his word. See, it wasn't blind faith. He didn't see me. But he heard me. And he knew I was there. 
trust him. Really, are you willing to say, take this thing in me, take my heart, take my life, take all I got. I'm going to trust you with it because I can't, but you can. You fulfill your promises. You get the final word. I don't know what's going to happen. I've been fighting and I'm tired. He's not, though. He's not tired. If you're tired, it's okay. We get tired. He's not. If you're discouraged, give him back your discouragement. He's not discouraged. If you're saying, I've, we've tried everything. <laughs> uh, have you tried him? With everything you got, have you tried him? Saying, here. I'm putting all this back in your hands. And tomorrow or five minutes from now, when you're not feeling it anymore, realize it wasn't a feeling. I don't think Zachariah was feeling it that day. He, he said, I'm old. I am literally not feeling it. <laughs> right? You'll get that later. But God knows. God's got it. how good he is he's so in control he's so worthy to be trusted he's so faithful he so fulfills his word he so can never forget us thank you so much for spending some time with us we hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for god visit us online anytime at encounterthrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. So long.